Hello, welcome to Recapping with Dolora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. So is there a to-do left on your list? Like when the pandemic first started, you said, hey, I want to learn this skill or I want to do X, Y, and Z while I have extra downtime. Is there one thing left on that list that you still haven't done? Wow, that's an excellent question. I don't know if I actually had a list. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, there were things that I was thinking about. But I've moved on. I've moved into the phase of the pandemic of okay. I can't wait for the whole world to you know wake up and move again for me to live my life. So mm-hmm. what am I going to do in the midst of everything going on? So that's where I am. What about you? That's fair. Um, I feel like it's 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 getting in that kitchen for me. <laughs> I so <laughs> say it like, oh, you know, we we got the time now. I can't make the excuse of oh, I don't get off of work till X and Y time in the office to get back home. I have the energy, I have the time. At least I thought so. So mm-hmm. I'm working towards it. I can say I did make my first meal I've never made before this past week week but Delora when I tell you I'm not a cook I spent way too long in some of those sections in the grocery store looking for these <laughs> ingredients I was like minced garlic where I don't even know Girl, what that means like yes, no for real you can call me it's okay That's I know where all those things gr- are I'm, I'm like these people probably think I'm crazy I'm standing in the produce aisle I'm doing laps I'm like listen <laughs> God bless, but I'm trying. Woman. It's all good. It's but all good. The thing is that I'm putting in the effort. I'm trying. I'm mm-hmm. really trying. So that's my that's my still to do. And thank you so much for volunteering to help because you know I'll be calling you for sure. <laughs> of course, of course. I actually got a Julia Child's book from um, Half Off Books. The the her iconic book, uh, you know, French cuisine or what have you. And I that was something that I thought I was going to do during the pandemic, especially during shutdown. I have not done that, no. (laughs) But... That sounds lofty. That's lofty, though. You're trying to go into a whole new cuisine. Like, that's lofty. It's terribly intimidating. But one day, I'll keep you posted. I'll keep everyone posted. All right. (laughs) Well, I'm still working on the basics, y'all. So God bless. Um, (laughs) Delora, you have a shout out of someone that we have found is a true lover and fan of the show. Go ahead and give your girl a shout out. Yes, yes, yes. I would love to shout out Kylia. Thank you, thank you, thank you for putting out the good word about our podcast, for having so many people follow us on Instagram. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And, um, um, you know, appreciate you. And girl, you know I love you. We we talk about these things all the time. So just want (laughs) to shout you out on the pod. Well, I don't know you, but I love you too, girl. Thank you so much for your support. Okay. Someday post uh, COVID, I'm sure we will meet. Yes. Um, and welcome to everyone who's 
checking us out now. Yes, Welcome. thank you so much. So, Delores, let's get into some of these headlines over the past week. It seems like there's been quite a bit going on. You know, some weeks feel a little meh, stagnant. Has mm-hmm. not been one of those. So <laughs> in the headlines, going back to our, our gorilla glue girl, Tessica Brown, she's given 20K that she raised through her GoFundMe mm. to the Reconstructive Surgery Nonprofit Restore Foundation run by Dr. Michael Obang. He is the doctor who saved her hair. He sure did. He invented a whole new concoction. Yes, he did. God bless you. That glue out her hair. God bless you, black man. Uh, Michael B. Jordan arguably stepped up Valentine's Day gifting when he gave his boo Lori Harvey Hermes stock. Delora, I love it. I I wasn't. I wasn't prepared at first. I was confused. I was like, "What is it that I'm looking at? Are we giving stocks now? You invested in your girl's future. I can't. If you can." Spend however much those bags are for a bag. You can spend that much in stock. Come on now. Exactly. Caring about her economic future. And it'd be better if it were both. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know what went down in that room. So, you know, the the cameras went off at some point. Um, Lauren Hill made history as the first female rapper to have an album sell 10 million copies as the miseducation of Lauren Hill. If y'all recall, dropped back in August of 98 goes diamond wow history making in black history month girl i mean first of all is anyone ever gonna go diamond ever again because you remember you remember back we lived in the heyday of the music industry okay we sure did i mean usher went confessions definitely has went diamond multiple times um (laughs) you remember shaggy Shaggy went diamond Diamond. right like i mean not to over talk you yes no 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 problems but Yes, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Do your thing, Lauren. Um, lastly, in headlines, congrats are in order for Yo Booze, Prince Harry, and Meghan Markle yeah. as they announce the pregnancy of their second child, Oprah. Oprah is scheduled to do an interview with the couple for a CBS primetime special airing at Girl. 8 p.m. on Sunday, March 7th. I am both elated and terrified Mm. all at the same damn time i love 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 them but Mm -hmm. the firm that is aka the british royal family yeah i'm a little i (laughs) I, i'm just gonna pray for them yeah (laughs) keep them safe (laughs) i was a little nervous especially with the statement i was like i wonder what is going through their heads this is gonna be the first royal born in the states and i mean it's just it's, it's just lot. weird. It's just mm-hmm. it's just weird dynamics to consider. But we've had this conversation. So let's move into our our two main hot topics, Delora. Woo! Chow. Chris Harrison and this bachelor franchise scandal girl. So Chris Harrison is stepping aside, in quotes, for an unannounced period of time. This man is the longtime host of the Bachelor Bachelorette franchise. The Let me face. 
the, of the franchise. Let me attempt to quickly sum up the controversy that led to this before I get your thoughts, Laura. I know, girl. Oh, it took me some time. A current frontrunner contestant named Rachel Kirkinell on this season of The Bachelor, who was vying for the heart of first black lead, Matt James. If you guys recall, we microdosed this on his first episode. Mm-hmm. She's had some very problematic behavior. The latest is she attended an Old South antebellum party with her sorority back in, as Chris Harrison tried to say, all the way back in 2018. Social media photos surfaced and backlash grew. Chris Harrison went on Extra and spoke with first Black Bachelorette, Miss Rachel Lindsay. Love her. And seemingly defended Rachel Kirkinell's, because I know it can get confusing, guys. I'm talking to Rachel's, Rachel yes. Kirkinell's behavior, such as saying people should give her a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion. Also saying this controversy is due to looking at the issue through the lens of 2021. Claim mm-hmm. this wouldn't have been the case four years ago, just four years ago in 2018. He mentioned the woke police multiple times in this interview and felt Rachel Kirkinell had been thrown to the lions in a subsequent interview that Rachel had including on her podcast again this is Rachel Lindsay guys in case of any confusion at this point she explained her thoughts on the situation further and seems beyond tired of being a part of the franchise both Chris Harrison and Rachel Kirkinell have since apologized for their words and deeds All of these interviews and apologies live out on these internets, folks, if you care to view any of them in full. Delora, Mm -hmm. give me your thoughts, darling. I want to add to the Rachel Lindsay beyond tire comment. Mm -hmm. The franchise has obviously had an issue with Black people because it took them over 20 seasons to get the first black bachelorette Mm -hmm. and then it took what another four seasons to get the first black bachelor and they were quite unapologetic about their lack of diversity for a very long time very long time and i also wanted to know uh 2018 is only three years ago so he kept trying to make it seem like it was some distant future Okay, the other thing with Rachel Lindsay. Did I say four? I think I said four because 2020 felt like a a couple years ago. He kept trying to make it seem like it was a long time. So he Mm -hmm. could have very well said that too. So I didn't know if it was you or him. So Um, they've also had issues with a recent bachelor at who said the N word while singing a song and giving a half ass apology. And so, you know, and Rachel is tired because she seems to be the one that's, you know, obviously she's the most prominent voice, but it gets exhausting over time being the only one. But back to Chris, you know, he was pushing for empathy for the, the contestant, Rachel, while he was completely demeaning and undermining everything that the Rachel he was talking to, mm-hmm. Rachel Lindsay, was trying to tell him about the issues with the contestant's behavior. Yep. And that's where my frustration lied with, it's like, why are you throwing what Rachel Lindsay has to say, unless you don't value her opinion because she's a woman and, and or 
a black woman. You know what I mean? It's yes. like, oh, black people always talk about race. Well, it's because we're reminded of our race on a regular basis when we step off the house. One. Two, the other issue that I had was, you know, the school, that sorority in particular, had banned those type of parties mm -hmm. back in 2016. So they knew they were wrong mm -hmm. when they did it in 2018. And it's still wrong today. It was even wrong when they were doing it when it originated. So it's like to, uh, to explain away racism um and what's the term that i want to uh, use it, it's not explicit racism right this is the racism that gets swept underneath the the, the rug right mm -hmm, where it's mm -hmm. like oh no one's flat out calling you the n-word no one's flat out but you're also as he put it, just girls dressing up trying to have a good time at a party. Exactly. As Ashley, if it's mindless. Ahead. As if it's mindless. I mean, I agree with everything that you're saying. And I have to agree also with something Rachel mentioned on her podcast, which is that the situation with Chris Harrison was surprising, not because I didn't feel like, oh, he could have these thoughts. I was just so taken aback that he expressed them on camera because yes. this man has been in the media game for a long time. Yes. He started his career as a reporter in the 90s. You you would think he would have known better, but that seemed, I'm not going to lie, looking at footage from that interview, he looked a little bit, um, you know, off the record in a way. I'm like, this is this is a full this interview. is extra that you this yes. is this is a <laughs> entertainment news source and you're going on here and something that these days will live forever because you also now have social media I mean it was so it was shocking in that regard and I watched the interview in full too and I just kept thinking like Chris are you on something because like how are you <laughs> having this conversation yes. on camera as if you just, like Rachel said, woke up and said, listen, I'm going to do me today. Like, to me, he was someone who seemed fed up with the society yes. he was living yes. in. Yes. That's and you where could, I was going to say, yeah. yes, I'm going with that too. It was it so obvious. Like he was like, oh, you know, especially after last year, you know, it's too much, you know. <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts they were like you know why people just found out racism still exists last year but they're already tired of it girl <laughs> mind you, he's a what 50 year old man almost 50 year old man yes he is and you're telling him all the things that he's used to doing isn't correct so it seemed like one of those fed up moments where it's like oh the woke police and this that the other mm -hmm. it was wrong before yes. but we are in a time in 2021 where you're going to have to take accountability. Oh, absolutely. Those games, as he liked to say, that he used to play back in the 70s. <sighs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> so sorry that you can't play your little games anymore. Like, it was just, again. There are plenty of things that we grew up with that did not age well. Honey. Moesha did not age well. Okay. When I heard, when I hear... Excuse me. When I hear a white man talking about games he played in the 70s, I'm assuming you were like really on some real racist stuff. Like, I'm not going to lie. That was very 
scary <laughs> statement to Dukes say. Of, Dukes of Hazards with the Confederate flag on the truck. Everybody yeah. wanted one. Everyone wanted that car, right? I look, I cannot fathom <laughs> what those games are, but it sounded horrific. I'm like, so did y'all think it was cute back then to do some stuff to some little black kids? And you know what I mean? Like my mind could just go in a lot of directions. So again, I was shocked that he said all this on camera, not remotely surprised that he would have possibly had these thoughts. And as Rachel mentioned, and as I also feel, his apology for me now is secondhand because he absolutely said everything he said with his chest. So you absolutely yes. felt the way that you felt. Now, Rachel Kirkinell, I, I her apology seemed a bit more genuine that I saw. It, did. it was actually one of the best. Mm hmm. I'm sorry I did racist shit apology yeah. <laughs> that I now, heard. As it was mentioned, it did take six weeks, but hey, you know. Oh, yes. You don't know all the circumstances surrounding it. So That's true. I will just say, Chris, if you thought that because of your clout being the host of The Bachelor since, what, 2002, 2003? He, he thought it was untouchable. Yeah. He thought it was untouchable. From the public wrath of this moment, you are sadly mistaken. And I'm seeing he may start to get pulled from, like, other endorsement opportunities. So Really? Yes. Now, do you think he needs to lose his job? What a, what a question. Because... I cannot say that I have landed one way or the other on that. In my mind, what Chris did and said is truly the way that he feels. But if he, if there is an opportunity for him to learn and grow from that, I don't think he's irredeemable. I don't put that, I don't put him in the category of somebody who has done certain things where I'm like, if I, I never want to see you support you whatsoever, ever again. Mm -hmm. I think what he said was problematic, but I don't think yes. it's irredeemable. What do you think? I, I don't think he should lose his job. Um, I've, I was surprised that they were going to go as far as to, you know, have him take some time aside. I actually was really surprised by that. But if you think about it, The Bachelor has, that franchise has been under fire mm -hmm. this whole entire season. And it, honestly, for a long time, because even Rachel, you know, I follow her. I also listen to her podcast. She talks about The Bachelor um, franchise all the time and how they need p black people behind the scenes so they're mm -hmm. able to pick the right the right people it's through the white gaze where I have the problem do you understand what I'm trying to say yes where, where yes. you think everybody in in the black America comes from particular situations where we're very diverse people that's Absolutely. what I'm trying to say <laughs> the, the um, diaspora of black folks even in America is exactly. why I was going to say one last thing real quick before we move on to our second hot topic, which was, so your comment about a certain type of black person and black people behind the scenes. I even like how, when, when I heard and listened to some of what Rachel has said that she addressed even that issue you talk about with Matt James, with that interview that he did at the very beginning of that episode where he's talking yes. about being biracial and not wanting to let down black people, but also not white people, all of that and saying that she feels it was because of the way the situation was set up and produced that really made it, come off the way that it did to the audience if he had been given opportunity to not do that with a white man 
versus, you know, possibly him giving a more unfiltered interview at some point in time. It would have felt more genuine to people watching because I remember you criticizing that on our micro dose and saying that just seemed it didn't feel right for him to have said that because it made you Mm. feel like he was inevitably justifying picking a white woman. And I think a lot of people felt that same way. Again, it's nothing wrong with him picking a, a white woman, but it's like it's almost like the devaluing of black women. You know what I no, mean? And, and I wasn't saying that as in mm-hmm. that it, that to you, it was problematic for that reason, but that mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to justify why the first black man to come on this series is not going to, not going to have a black love situation. Matt had to explain, you know, the last few women I've dated have been black women, X, Y, and Z. So to your point, I just think it's so valuable to think about what having people of color behind the scenes really means and looks like, even for those kids, contestants who may have fit, fit, fit a more perfect mold of what they thought blackness should be if I'm you know if you get what I'm yeah. saying and yeah. I have one last thing I want to say speaking of having black people behind the scenes they would have done a better job vetting these contestants because even on uh, Rachel's season she had a guy who seemed to be flirting with um people who like confederate flags and things like that you know what i mean and so you have your very first black bachelorette with a guy who might be a mm-hmm. sympathizer of uh <laughs> the all right and it's just kind of like who who, who picked him who mm-hmm. who thought this was gonna be a good idea well you know? somebody thought it was it was for ratings but that ain't the type of ratings you want these days i'll say that um all right so let's move on to our last hot topic Justin Timberlake. So, following the Framing Britney Spears documentary that was one of your hidden gems last week, there was public uproar and criticism over the actions of some of the folks that have been in Britney's life, and among them, her ex, Justin Timberlake, was not a good look. Justin issued a public apology on Instagram to both Britney Spears and Janet Jackson who you all may recall performed alongside, or he performed alongside, I should say, all the way back in 2004 at the Super Bowl. Wardrobe malfunction, Justin ripped a part of her outfit off that exposed her breast and negatively affected only Janet's career. Only. Let me read. he went nowhere but up. Exactly. Let me read just a portion of his apology, guys, and then feel free to Uh, read the rest so Justin said I've seen the messages tags comments and concerns and I want to respond I am deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right I understand that I fell short in these moments and in many others and benefited from a system that condones misogyny and racism I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson both individually because I care for and respect these women and I know I failed I also feel compelled to respond in part because everyone involved deserves better and most importantly because this is a larger conversation that I wholeheartedly want to be part of and grow from. Delora, is this apology too little too late? Absolutely. Really, Justin? <laughs> really? I have to say after watching the documentary, after even him releasing his apology you know I'm not completely heartbroken as I might have been if I were in my late 20s mid 20s 
you know, yeah. the nostalgia of knowing that when the fan of, factor was higher, <laughs> when my fave, yes, understanding that my fave is a absolute douchebag. Oof. Yeah. And Ashley, you know, one of the first times I realized that Justin was a douchebag, even before this, mm. Jessica Simpson's uh, autobiography. She said that after her breakup with Nick, she had a situation with Justin. Nothing serious, but oh, they kissed. Oh, I do vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said after they kissed, he immediately went to his phone to text um, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. And she's like, what are you texting him bet, for? Because right? they had a freaking bet. And so to hear this. Mm-hmm. And to hear all these small little stories and, and him just easeling his way through maintaining his popularity or, you know, being able to have a career. Because guess what? After his breakup with Britney, she nearly crashed and burned. Janet couldn't get any work. She went to acting. Not saying that she wasn't acting before, but she got no play. Yeah. You know I mean? No, I mean, it was a harsh reaction and criticism and to her. And that's why Les Moonves, yes, who was head girl. of CBS, came yes. for Janet. Wanted to destroy her career. I was going to say, and that's why the Super Bowl is Janet Jackson Appreciation Day, because we need to show her some love. Because the fact that he got out, out of that situation scotch-free, she mm-hmm. did not rip, it, you would have thought she ripped off her own um bra or whatever yeah 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 i mean we had this conversation off mic and you know i had definitely am very disappointed to look back and realize even watching the frame and britney spears the culpability that i feel like even i had at that time because being a big justin timberlake fan at the time that they broke up mm-hmm. cry me a river was my song i was you here tell me nothing girl i was here That's for that video songs yeah i was here for that video thinking like oh oof hard you know harsh in the sense of like mm, well i guess that's what you get kind of thing like well, not see, even I thinking never did that with britney like i never even though they broke up i love that song but i never i never resorted to oh my goodness britney you know i'm i was oh. more like oh, if this is true this is crazy you well, know I, I, mean? <laughs> I say that as in not like i hated britney because i never was like team Justin over team Britney it wasn't like that but it was like Mm. that's what you get in the sense of like I didn't think twice about seeing him play out this revenge fantasy in a video like it didn't Mm -hmm. even cross my mind about the impact it could have on her it would actually it actually was the fact that he had another album and I think had several other relationships and still managed to come with what comes around goes around goes around yeah. you know what i mean and that's me, still fire too i'm sorry but again it's like <laughs> let me let me finish this thought real quick which is just that justin timberlake was my guy for a very long time so just as the the reckoning is coming after watching the video of like Diane Sawyer and like a lot of the problematic behavior that would happen throughout the years. Justin is absolutely not immune from that. And the fact that it took that for him to look back at his behavior and think what I did was wrong. That is sad because to me, it's like, mm-hmm. were you never, would you have never 
publicly apologize otherwise no. you know like what convinced. what is the journey that you've been on that was it just the 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 you know uproar about the it pu- or the public had pressure. you yeah or had you been seeing like oh you know did you watch the documentary too and was like oh my god like looking back yeah that was horrible that I said those things and hopped on Howard Stern and confirmed that I had taken that girl's virginity and just mm. it was so problematic and again I I looked at it and I felt ashamed that I as a female, as a woman, because I wasn't a woman just yet, but becoming a woman was not more sensitive to how that would have impacted mm-hmm. Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And then the and Janet thing. That's what, uh, <laughs> That's where I was going really quick. Janet. Speaking of awful interviews, did you see that one interview when they asked him about taking any responsibility uh, for the incident? And he went and at and asked this crazy question like, "Have we found the weapons of mass destruction?" Like re-looking, mm. re- looking at that interview, it's like, oh, he he is pompous. Like he is mm. he is just so full of himself that you think you're gonna pivot by asking. There's big, you know, there's bigger things in the world. Right, Have we found right, weapons right, right. Of mass destruction? Sir, what? Yeah. He he skate he's floated by and that at this point in time is not gonna work. And I guess for it would take Janet and Brittany responding for me to know how they feel about this public apology, it's mea culpa. But I can say in terms of just my fandom, you know, it doesn't do too much for me. So that's all I have on hot topics today, Delora. Are you ready to move into our recap? A one, a two. And you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that was very cute. <laughs> Today's recap is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It is a Netflix original rated R. It premiered December 2020. It is a drama slash musical. It is about an hour and 34 minutes. And here's a quick summary. Tensions rise when trailblazing blues singer Ma Rainey and her band gather at a recording studio in Chicago in 1927. And here's the cast. The legendary Viola Davis as Ma Rainey. Mm-hmm. As Ryan Coogler stated... Our ancestor, Chadwick Boseman, as Levy. Coleman Domingo as Cutler. Michael Potts as Slow Drag. Taylor Page as Doozy May. Side eye. Girl. Does she with my man. Um, Dusan Brown as Sylvester, Glenn Turman as Toledo. The director is George E. Woof. He is a Tony winning director. He's also very, very spirited. I love him. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Denzel Washington is one of the producers. He is currently producing all 10 of the American Century Cycle by the great August Wilson. 
and to give our audience more understanding of that. Uh, it's also known as the Pittsburgh Cycle. It is 10 plays that essentially talks about the plight of the everyday African-American in every decade mm. in the 20th century. Mm. So that was a, a feat on his own for August. And he has other plays, but that, that collection of plays is what he's best known for. And Denzel has the keys to the kingdom. He has rights to all these plays and his goal is to bring all of August's work to the big screen. He's doing a fantastic job so far. Yes. Uh, so far out of the American Century Cycle, we have had Fences and Ma Rainey being the second film mm -hmm. from that collection. And lastly, the screenplay writer is Ruben Santiago Hudson, who's actually an actor I've seen in a lot of different works. He's never been like a major character, but to see that he made the screenplay was pretty impressive. All right, Rotten Tomatoes. For critics, this film received 98%. For audience members, 76%. And for Google users, 86%. Uh, this film has nine NAACP Award nominations, two Golden Globes, and three SAGs, all primarily for acting for the Golden Globes and SAG. Um, uh, that's actually part of the critique of the award season so far. We have a um, wonderful plethora of Black film, but our our actors are getting nominated, but their films aren't necessarily receiving the love for best picture. Mm. Um, the SAG, I take that back, does um, acknowledge the cast, but for Golden Globe, it's Viola and Chadwick. And as you mentioned, Ashley, Chadwick is making SAG history by receiving a total of four nominations for his work for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, as well as The Five Bloods. So, mm -hmm. Ashley... Yeah. What what's your rating for this film? I gave it a B and that B comes in because historically I felt this was a very important um thing to be told. I was not familiar with Ma Rainey before this film came out. Mm -hmm. So for that sake in and of itself, it got a very high rate for me. Um, the reason why it's not an A is just because in terms of overall enjoyability of the film, I didn't I didn't love it. And that's just me being honest. Mm -hmm. um, but again, for historical purposes, for the stellar cast, for this being chat with Bozeman's last film, for all those reasons, it's a B. And I also enjoyed that 30-minute featurette that's on Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, A Legacy Brought to Screen, because yes. that really gave me a lot more context around it as well. So it's a B strong. Thank you, Ashley. I gave this film a B plus. My reasons are powerful performance performances i mean mm -hmm. everyone came you know they yeah. they came with their a game literally mm -hmm. um i felt like it was true escapism in the sense of i felt like i was transported to that time i felt hot watching this movie <laughs> in the middle <laughs> them being in the middle of chicago yeah in the middle of summer 
that I was felt that heat. And mind you, it is negative 10 degrees outside right now. So, well, that's I, interesting too, right? Because he, he made it to where it was the summer, whereas in the play, it was the winter. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, this movie did not receive an A from me because it stressed me the F out. Yeah. Yeah. Girl. Mm-hmm. And so, with that, spoiler alert. <laughs> All right. 1927 Chicago um, before the film starts off in Georgia you're you're taken back to what entertainment was like during that time and that's a big tent um, you know people listen to music that they mamas probably wouldn't want them listening to <laughs> <laughs> we're introduced to my Rainey who is known as the mother of blues and you see right away that there's an interesting dynamic between ma and her band specifically her trumpet player yes uh livy and you can tell that she doesn't like the spotlight taken off of her and so that's something that we take the audience take as we go to Chicago where Ma and her band are going to record her music. Mm-hmm. We see that the band is uh, essentially together for the most part, Cutler being its leader. We see that um, Irving is, you know, buzzing around, trying to make things ready for this recording, and Mr. Studdervan saying, this time has to be, um, you know, has to go off without any, any issues, because apparently, fun fact, Ma Rainey was a bit of a diva, and so before I go further into the actual play-by-play of the recap i want to talk about some of the themes that i saw right Mm -hmm. um the power struggle right so we saw the power struggle between ma and livy and then you also saw the power struggle between ma and the quote-unquote the man or in this case the record executive and so some history ma rainey flourished being the mother of the blues during this time this was also great during the great migration so a lot of black people were leaving the south headed up north mm-hmm. um and the blues was their way of expressing all of the hurt and um the the pain of the brutality of the South and even moving to the North and not necessarily getting what was promised to them in some cases because of frankly racism of the society. And so what, what did you think about Ma's behavior? Cause where I was going with is Ma became successful because she also knew exactly what she wanted. She she knew her environment. Mm-hmm. She knew what she wanted, and she knew that she had to play hard to get. Essentially, what did you think about her character in that way? 
Um, I thought she was pretty badass, if I'm completely honest, because for a black woman back in the 20s to behave the way that she did and kind of shun traditional um, thoughts around her being a woman, her sexuality, all these things, and really had take ownership of not only herself, but of her talent and understand what her value was, was powerful. I mean, I had, I didn't have zero problems. I, I don't think of her as a diva. I thought of her as someone who didn't take no shit. And I respected that about her yes. wholeheartedly. Can I say real quick too, the start yes. of this film though, stressed me out because they started it as if there might be inherent violence. Yes. When you see the black, two black bodies running through the woods, you hear the dogs and all this. I said, where are we going with this? Is, am I immediately about to start off with somebody getting killed? Well, I was thinking, well, I wasn't familiar with August's play. So I was thinking, is this a whole sweeping bio? You know, like most of these um, films are like, you know, when they feature someone from history. Mm-hmm. Um so I was thinking, oh my goodness, did her, her did she run from slavery? Did her parents run from slavery? Like, I thought we were going back, back. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. But- so I it it, stre- it stressed me out. So same, <laughs> you same. know, by the time we got to the to the part of you know seeing her perform and all that, I was happy because I was like, oh thank God, like you know we're 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 getting to see her in her element. We're getting to see her on stage. I appreciated it from a personal standpoint, though, as knowing her that could have gotten a little dicey because I would have been like, ma'am, you need to check your tone mm-hmm. uh, with some of your personal interactions, but on a professional level, she was badass. Thank you. Well said. So speaking of her being a badass, she didn't show up on time because she's the star. <laughs> 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 and while everyone was waiting for her, the band was convening and most of the movie takes place in the band room in the basement as mm-hmm. well as the recording so this is literally a one day um in time this whole film and so while the band is waiting they have a lot of interesting conversations ashley yeah to <laughs> um, say the least to say the least um one of the things that you learn really quickly about Livy is that he's new school he's flashy he mm-hmm. he shows up late with a brand new pair of shoes with money that he barely had um and delora i have in my notes those yellow fucking shoes <laughs> This these shoes have so much meaning as this film goes on, Ashley. As you yeah, know. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Levy is truly talented, but his reckless ambition, yep, is something that will ultimately be his demise, so to speak. Yeah. So. I say that to say he wants a more up-tempo type of sound. He wants to play with, you know, play with the notes and Mr. Irving likes it. And, and so does Mr. Sturdivant. And so much so that they said that, you know, he was bragging to the guys that they want him to buy, they want him to play his version as well as make new songs and he's going to get himself a band. You know what I mean? Yes. And Cutler's like, you know what? We're going to listen to Ma because I have to say, I love Cutler because he was pretty much like, 
that's cool and all, but our job is this today, right now. Mm-hmm. He was like, whatever Ma wants, we'll do. And so our, our uh, Mr. Irvin confirmed that Levi's version is the one they should practice, so they practice it. Um, and just because- imagine, this man is a manager. This man is just a manager. You think yes. you're going to tell the artist? Yes. And mind you, this is before Ma gets here, too. So mm-hmm. she's, Yeah. And the thing about this too, and I'm going to bring it, um, bring it up now. When I watched this the first time, I didn't even know that Irving was her manager. The way he was running around seemed like he was serving Mr. Sturdivant. Sturdivant. Yeah. 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 And so I, I felt some kind of way, especially after watching it all the way through the first time, seeing all the events that unfolded and then you know seeing it again it's like mm, okay we see who he prioritized exactly um and i also want to note that ma's music isn't really selling that well in in the north and um in the documentary the one that you mentioned ashley viola mentioned that when she approached this role ma is in essentially the twilight of her career mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because she is the mother of blues and she has had success and she has these recordings however this version is dying down and her competition is getting more shine i.e briefly mentioned Bessie, Bessie Smith. Smith and I think I read too when I went down to google rabbit hole her contract was abruptly canceled in real life in 1928 which would have been the year after this wow so- Good job. Thank you for that. Cause I did not see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and fun fact, Betsy is, was a mentee of hers. Yeah. So, you know, you have that, you have that bit of animosity there as well. Like, okay. You, I, I taught, taught her, you everything I know, girl. Yes. 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 All right. So I'm going to move forward and mom makes it to the recording studio. One thing about Ma also, when she arrives, she's there with her nephew and her her baby girl, uh, Ducey May. And that's another thing about Ma that makes her a little bit unconventional for that time. She was very open with her queerness. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was her, her booty, or her side piece. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I said booty. I don't know why I was trying to go with that. <laughs> So Ma arrives, she's ready to perform, and she hears that they want to do Levy's version. And she was like, no, we're going to do my version because this is my music. You know, this is my song. And she's like, I listen to my heart. Um, The other thing that she was very adamant about was having her sweet young nephew, Sylvester, do the opening for this song. Ashley, when I tell you, when she sent him down with her band to practice and the looks on those men's faces, that was the funniest scene in the entire <laughs> film for me because that young boy had an awful 
stutter what yeah. did you think about that scene man i'm just like i feel like stuttering has been in the media so much lately you know we had bridgerton with the stutter yes. we have we have we had we had amanda gorman with the speech impediment yes. we got by in overcoming a stutter i'm like no. what is going on with stuttering just seeming like you know it's coming to the forefront so much but obviously especially in music at the time, I would have imagined the impatience, right? The frustration of being like, so how many takes is it, would it take for us to possibly get this right? So I understood where they were coming from, mm -hmm. but did she had a level of patience? I did not because <laughs> she was determined she was to get her, her nephew a check though. Yeah. Good, like and good for her. Good for her. <laughs> Whatever it takes. I make more money than everybody who everybody combined. So we're going to do this as many times as it takes is what she said. Wow. So while the band is practicing, um, Mr. Studevan comes down uh, to check on the band and Livy seems to code switch when speaking to this recording exact and um, asking him about the music that, again, he said that the exec asked him to create so he's like yeah i got those songs i'm i just i got my band just tell me when you're ready and so the guy's kind of like you know um pushing him off he's like oh yeah i'll take a look at him and he takes his music and so when levy goes back to the band room the guys are laughing at him saying that he's spooked by a white man ashley levy goes into the most intense story brutal of his childhood so in this story his father is a successful landowner and at the age of eight years old for him his dad went off to buy some seed and fertilizer for the land and told him that he was the man of the household that night his mom was raped by eight to nine white men and he talked about how you know he felt pride in knowing that he was the man in the house so he got a knife tried to cut one of those guys and he ended up getting attacked and cut himself and uh his dad came back and his dad sold the land to one of the guys that raped his wife, Levy's mother. And he said he smiled while doing it. And they moved away. And his dad came back and killed four of them before they got and hung him and burned him. Mm -hmm. And he took pride in knowing that his dad will did what he had to do with a smile. And he would say you know, yes, sir, to whoever he pleased, because he knows what the end game is. Mm. Ashley, mm -hmm. tell me, tell me about your thoughts about this story. I mean, like I said, brutal, right? I mean, one of the lessons I took from the interactions, particularly this one was just that reminder that you just never know what people are going through or have gone through. 
um, because this really came about because of the antagonistic relationship that he and the band kind of had over the course of the film. And this was a huge demon and burden that this young man, because Levy is still fairly young, is yes. having to deal with and live with. And I mean, I, I literally can't imagine. I, I didn't get emotional on this film, shockingly. It must have just been one of those days where tears weren't coming to my eyes because if I had gotten emotional on this, this would have been the main point that I would have balled on. I mean, mm -hmm. it is powerful. Chadwick's performance is so powerful. And again, to think about the impact that this would have had on a young man, a young black man in this era where you would have felt so helpless. There's nothing you could do. Even the story of him having to go to two people just to find someone to, to help, help him. him with his chest yes. because the first person he was taken to said, oh, I'm about to deliver a calf. I can't help you. So you put this uh, uh, animal's Girl, life over the life of this child. It was just so much and it just broke something in the room obviously because you saw them all sitting there the band was stunned yeah just looking like oh my god so yeah I, again i took from it obviously horrific that this happened to you this young man but also that's why you just you need to be careful because you never know what has happened and transpired in somebody's life well said the thing i feel about Levy, again, I mentioned that he's reckless. It, um, honestly, he is a fool. And I say that because he, he's one of the bigger shit talkers of the band, right? Mm -hmm. um, he also, you know, he's definitely a yo, he's yo, YOLO personified, right? Buying the nice shoes, even though you can't afford them or anything like that. But you realize there's, there's a reason, there's a source yeah. for pain. that. It's pain. And in some cases, you can say that he was stunted emotionally after something like that mm. level of trauma. Yes. And we can go into that um, later on. So, And think about he would have had no outlets or resources. Girl, zero. Mm. That, that level of pent-up anger mm -hmm. also. Rage. Of the whole sh because he Rage. lost his father in the midst of that. And he saw what was happening to his mother. Mm -hmm. Girl, girl. Horrific. So apparently the film director also thought that was a good time to just go ahead and switch scenes because <laughs> we get into the Coca-Cola scene, I like to call it. So the band is ready. Ma Rainey is ready to perform. But they didn't have her Coca-Cola. You know, she had her list. And... Irving, her a writer, manager, a writer, as a they writer. call it these days. Thank you, thank you. Her manager didn't didn't take care of what he was supposed to take care of, and she was like, "I will not sing until I get my Coca Cola." Mm -hmm. So she sent the guys out uh, to get her Coca Cola. I, I should have did a drinking game on how often she said Coca Cola because that mess was hilarious <laughs> to me. And during this time, she was talking to Cutler, the leader of the band. Um, and she pretty much told him, hey, I need for you to fire Levy before Memphis. So essentially she was like, after this recording, I'm, I'm done with him. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know, what did, what did you think about that? Because obviously we, we saw the dynamics of their, their lack of relationship, I should say, between Ma and Levy in the very very beginning right mm -hmm. i think she knew that he and her her girl were looking at each other too yeah I, I mean you you can't be blind to that right yes 
what what do you think about her plotting against Levy um, during this break? I think it made total sense. I think that she felt threatened as she should have because he was coming for everything, everything <laughs> that she held dear. And you haven't gotten to the scene yet, but things became quite disrespectful. So I think she was fully justified in feeling the way she felt because at the end of the day, this is her band. As Cutler says, we are an accompaniment band. We do what Ma says. So if you don't want to play that role, then you should leave and find other opportunities. As he said, start your own band, do your own thing. There's no reason exactly. for you to be here anymore, sir. I also felt like um, remnants of Betsy probably was creeping in with her feelings towards Levy in the sense of, okay, you out here trying to change my song. Mm -hmm. You know what? You can just go. You know what I mean? I do need you today, but I don't need you. It's also his brass. It's also his brass nature, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. brash. I don't know why I said brass. Brash nature. There is a way in which to go about things, especially when you are not the high man on the totem pole. Again, my Rainey has proven herself. She has a track record. She's successful. You're still a young up and comer and you're Mm -hmm. coming at her in such a way again not even on the the relationship side with her girl but on a professional side when this man stepped out on stage and stole the spotlight from her and her one of her first performances like you must be crazy is what i was thinking like you must want to lose your job yes and the other thing i want to mention again the the power struggle her waiting for that coca-cola and her explaining herself as essentially to the audience saying they're too cheap to buy coca-cola when all they want is my voice mm-hmm. and once they have my voice they you know treat me like a whore on the street girl so she knew her power right mm-hmm. was and in her she, talent she held on to it until she felt like letting it go Mm-hmm. And artists, black artists, especially at that time, they were underpaid, if paid at all. Girl. Their work was stolen from them and taken Always. over by white artists. I mean, her her speech made absolute sense to, I'm sure, a lot of the black audience that watched this, but may have been eye-opening to others. <laughs> Absolutely. So Ma gets her Coke. I'm sure Viola's going to get her Oscar simply off of how she drank that coca-cola down (laughs) one take (laughs) her nephew had a million one takes but girl she actually got one Mm -hmm. he actually got one yes they performed and it didn't even record she was was over it i'm over this yeah and she was like i'm done 15 minutes and so every, you know, everyone else, all the execs, Irving and um, Sturdivant were like, no, no, you know, but, oh, girl. How unprofessional. Y'all don't have this mic together? I'm gone. Exactly. <laughs> and in the midst of all that, too, I, I failed to mention uh, Levy and Deucey May mm-hmm. was uh, playing some, some baseball going. The Disrespect. <laughs> The disrespect. Y'all couldn't even they leave were the building. All the bases. They were playing all the bases. Delora, they couldn't even leave the building. You telling me you went down to the basement while your girl is upstairs and said, well, 
Yes, it is what it is. I wrote down, she's a sugar baby. I mean, she, she is a, a, what in modern day we would call a sugar baby. Absolutely. She didn't bring anything to the conversation. She didn't bring anything other than her looks and her firm booty. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's on the come up because she even said to him, it seemed like she wasn't going to give him any until he gets his little band together and has a career, you know? For a minute, I have to be honest, I wondered if it was going to be a rape scene because it seemed like mm-hmm. Levy got a little aggressive for a second when she was trying to leave the room so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that it didn't go that direction I did not need that but no. I, I, it did catch me for a minute it's like what what, what are where are we going with this is this going to be consensual so that's an excellent, excellent conversation and you know the band knows what's up and they have this whole conversation about being a fool girl Toledo <laughs> got up and left that room he said you ain't about to have me in this mess he was like not not today today. not i nope nope and and so ultimately the band again meets in the band room in the basement and there's this conversation about a pastor that cutler knew and in this story cutler talks about a pastor on his way uh to see his sister and he gets off on the wrong, uh, well, not necessarily the wrong stop, but the stop to use the restroom. And the train leaves him and he gets caught up with some white folks who ask him to dance. And then essentially they humiliated this pastor and then killed him. And Ashley, this was one of the most intense scene that follows after because levy asked cutler where was god Mm. because Mm. god don't your god your god god yes god don't care about the niggas that's what he that's what he said Mm -hmm. and of course Cutler was pissed and he was like, you're not going to talk about my guy, which I appreciate. I'm like, come through, stand up for Jesus. Okay. <laughs> but girl, that was a knife fight. Yeah. Lovey, I didn't, I knew he was on edge, but I didn't know. I didn't know it was that bad. He, he brought out a knife. Granted Cutler did punch him in the face. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Not to say that it should need to be elevated to a knife situation but i'm saying it's hard in that situation to look at it as just a one-sided thing because he obviously cutler was very upset with levy's words and took it to that next level and then levy said oh really okay we're gonna take it all the way to 10 then yes where's your god now save this man and so this goes into this the most intense uh monologue that i felt completely uncomfortable with because Levy was cussing out God mm. and you, you do find out in the midst of this um, intense scene that it all goes back to his mom. Mm-hmm. He, his mom was praying out to God the night she was raped by those eight or nine men. And he said that your God did nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have anything to say about this scene? I mean, Chadwick acted his ass off. That's what I was thinking in this moment. Because to think about the man that he was and then the depths in which he may have had to go emotionally to become this character, 
he acted his ass off. And I do think that it's valuable to understand the perspective of someone who's gone through such severe trauma, because Mm -hmm. as it's said, even in certain, you know, gospel songs, it's easy to be a believer when your beliefs and your life have not really been challenged when you haven't Mm -hmm. been put through the fire, you know, Mm -hmm. and Levy have been put through the fires yes but i will say again i felt uncomfortable because you know you you don't speak ill of god you know what i mean and i mean it was it was blasphemy in the eyes of believers right but again fair and valuable to me to reflect the thoughts and opinions of someone who has gone through something so traumatic at such a young age before you're able to even remotely form the tools to deal with something like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's been other forms of art that have showed you that journey of people where they start to either don't have either completely lose their relationship with God if they ever had one or Mm -hmm. question it heavily Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. moments of trauma. So, I mean, I'm sure God understood when he watched this film. <laughs> I mean, hopefully that's, that's all I have is I'm, I'm sure God understood. Cause I would have been like, all right, this is Levy. This is not me. This is not I. <laughs> if you were Chadwick that night, you would have went to bed. Like, let me pray extra hard. So, you know, I'm still on the good foot, but yeah, Girl. I mean, again, it is a film. It is art. It is. And it that is. is, that is a true perspective. So I thought it, it, it was, is. it was valuable to see it. It is. And again, if this man is willing to cuss out God like this, he has no reverence for anyone. Mm. Let's move on. So recording session. I called this scene one take ma. Ma, Rainey, is a professional, okay? (laughs) Because once they got started, she did what she had to do, okay? (laughs) <laughs> what no remix baby face <laughs> <laughs> oh but tensions grow because my calls out levy for playing all those notes she's like messing doing too up much. my song you're doing too much and of you- course levy being again as i mentioned previously emotionally stunted he's just and again reverence for no one mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like well i don't care and she's like oh well if you don't care you're fired point blank period period and he storms out the room there's this door ashley that was attached to the band room that levy has been playing with throughout the whole film and in his frustration and anger of being fired he finally got the door open just to see that there was nothing but a brick wall on the other side. The director said that he wanted that to represent <laughs> racism, racism in America, mm-hmm. specifically speaking of the time, right? The promise of Southern Negroes during the great migration going North with the promise of wage jobs and, you know, you know, less, um, less trauma from, you know, the, the, the constant threat (laughs) of racism that's in the South with the hangings and everything of that nature. 
just to get up north to be discriminated against and not necessarily finding job and work and 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 still facing some of the same violence you know what i mean yeah and i'm so, glad you i'm glad you brought this up that was probably one of my favorite things that george wolf said during that yes, featurette yes um but I got that immediately before I saw the featurette. I was like, ooh, this is a metaphor, ain't it? <laughs> well, for sure. I took it as it was isolated more so to Levy than thinking about the bigger picture at the time. You know, I'm just thinking like you think you you want so badly to get to the other side of something and only to get over there and realize you have nothing. And that was where Levy was in my mind in the film at that point, right? You mm-hmm. thought you you had all these ambitions, all these dreams, all these goals, and you think you're you finally possibly are going to break through and you get there and you have a fucking brick wall in your face that's where Um, you are as a character ashley all right so i want to talk about a couple of things before we get to the finale of this film so they finish the recording and irving is not doing his job he keeps making excuses for this record uh studio exec Oh, well, he can't pay in cash or he, you know, you got to take money out of your check for your nephew. And she's like, I'm not leaving until my nephew gets his own check or gets mm-hmm. his, his own money. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the power struggles, how she got paid, got her nephew paid and walked out the door and realized that that man who was trying to get over on her had to essentially kiss at her feet because she needed to sign some papers Mm -hmm. Ashley what did you think about this the release forms for those records badass again that she was nobody's fool you think I don't know what you're doing oh you came over here and you paid my nephew because you realized that I didn't sign the release for you to have my songs I could have I put them on on a record that don't mean that they belong to you at this point right just the the smarts of the era the fact that this black woman again knew and and did not suffer a fool i appreciated her i respected her so much because we see the complete contrast of that with levy yes she made them sweat and i appreciate that so levy's terrible horrible no good very bad day continues oh ashley nickel is that nickelodeon reference it's a book okay did they make a film on that they did okay that's why i was like i'm remembering it like on nickelodeon or something got it girl so he sees mr sedevin and asks him about his band he or his music right he wrote these songs all he needed was the green light to bring in his band so they can play it and you know he can make a name for himself because he he was actually talented, you know. And Mr. Sanavan played it real cool by saying, "Oh well, no, I don't need to hear it. I we've had I heard heard some other band because I think he did mention that somebody played the, another song of his and he didn't really like it, so he doesn't want anything to do with it." And he was like, oh, no, you know, let me, you, you haven't heard me play. And Mr. Sedevan essentially said, I can, pay, I can pay you $5 a piece for the songs that you wrote for me. He did just that. And Levy is distraught. 
I knew immediately that his work was going to be stolen from him and that it was going to be given to a white musician. You knew that then? I knew that immediately. Did you? Yeah. So for me, I didn't gather that. I didn't gather that immediately. When I saw him, you know, pay him short uh, of what the true value was, I was thinking like, was he was he trying to wash his hands of him because ma did you know what Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. and so that's where my mind was the first time i saw it gotcha yeah i knew immediately because i'm thinking like he's talented that he made him the music that he wanted so why would he not want this black man to form a band and start doing his own music he just wants he just wants the songs Mm. and unfortunately again that's why i say it's such a contrast with him between him and ma because ma knew her talent lied in her voice and she used that accordingly levy didn't realize the full extent of his worth and that he should have used his power differently because he was just too impatient to understand yeah and that's an excellent point too because if he actually respected authority right um respected ma who was Mm -hmm. one of the trailblazers in honestly black recording (laughs) artists period Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um because the blues was the first recorded of you know black artists recording that genre of music he probably would have been able to learn something right he was so busy trying to think that she was doing you know you know she's so better old school uh, that you know he knew better but she had experience you know what just came to mind for some reason as a parallel for this with me is jingle jangle when Mm. we did jingle jangle and you think about the fact that the apprentice even though he was able to be successful off of the ideas of of um uh geronicus had he been patient that was ultimate lesson had he been patient he would have had everything that he ever needed to be able to be successful on his own i don't know why that just hit me because i didn't think about that at all during the film but fire fire okay (laughs) thank you (laughs) go back and listen to our jingle jangle recap if you guys have not thank you please do all right, so a distraught Levy makes his way back into the band room and Toledo accidentally steps on his shoe. Those yellow fucking shoes. This was the straw that broke the camel's back, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Because he was he was willing to fight Toledo and Toledo's like hey 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 I said I was sorry like one normal person would think right and Levy goes and pulls out that same knife from the fight earlier and stabbed Toledo in the back that's what made it worse you stabbed him in the back what a coward. <sighs> you know, while wa- after watching this movie, I was trying to think of a stronger word than fool to describe Levy. And I realized I really couldn't come up with one. I had to go to the dictionary. <laughs> and, I, and the best I could come up with was Levy is a jackass, Ashley. Mm, mm, mm. Well, you know, fool is very is a very harsh word in the Bible. So it is in biblical terms, Touché. fool. You got you got a one up on fool. 
But can I just say that Levy in this moment was a man completely untethered, right? He had nothing to ground him. That's so true. He did not have a a spiritual relationship. He did not have familial relationships. He did not have his music. He was a man completely untethered. Well said. Wow. And for me, this last scene... You see white men performing Levy's music in that Mm. same recording Mm -hmm. studios. Mm. And the film ends with a picture of the real Ma Rainey and her recording of Black Bottom. Ashley, I have to say that scene of those white men performing Levy's music I felt like that was a twist in the back so me as an audience member I'm distraught over poor Toledo right absolutely and then when I see that Mr. Stanavan took Levy's music and gave it to these other people performing it in a very dry dry way and I'm only saying that because no it was dry af (laughs) they had no soul in that room yeah it was mechanical (laughs) i mean especially when you remember how levy was performing it the excitement the you know it was his music and and the life that was in it compared to what it ultimately was but that man only got five dollars for that and 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 again as an audience member i felt gutted i felt gutted so completely so when when I try to think about how I felt about this movie, it actually took me a while, Ashley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took yeah. me a while, like, okay, I, it's not a bad grade, but I don't, I didn't feel uplifted. Granted, you don't get that in every, in every film. I understand exactly. that. Exactly, yeah. But, and then especially with it being Chadwick's final film, I told you it took mm-hmm. me forever to watch this film because of that. Yeah. And to see him in this character, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. It was unexpected, except some people had already told me that they were disturbed by his performance. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, because I didn't go into it having any idea of who his character was. And I have not seen 21 Bridges, so I'm saying this as a caveat, but I think almost all of his films, he's the hero. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I would agree with you. That is, and I mean, he's the Black Panther. He will always be the Black Panther. So, you know, his legacy, it's not like this is a chink in the armor in any capacity. It's just no. an amazing performance he had. This, but, is, this is his training day. Yes, but can I say that the, un, the fact that his, what happens to him after he kills Toledo is unresolved bothers me yes i was even telling my mom like jail though ashley is he or did they kill him because that's like i have to be honest with you because of the era even though he killed toledo i was immediately like oh but but wait what's gonna happen to you like Mm -hmm. are you even going to be able to go to trial or are they gonna find some means or reason to kill you obviously if he had killed a white man he would have never made it to trial right the fact that he killed a black man I don't know how that's going to go for him, but they left it unresolved, which was like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel because there's this thing hanging out here with this, with his character. And can you imagine him? Because the the last thought I have on that is I imagine he went to jail and I imagine him hearing his song on the freaking radio and Mm. just feeling Mm. 
completely and utterly distraught, you know? Yeah. And think about the parallels potentially between modern day men of color who go to prison under circumstances where they had a very rough childhood, a very rough life, and then get put into that population and just are never able to recover, never able to find peace or, you know what I mean? It's that, it's just so, it's so heartbreaking. Yes, he, he obviously had his demons that caused this to happen, but it's still very heartbreaking to see this character's deterioration to this point my mom said she didn't think he was going to kill somebody I said I thought it was inevitable what did you think did you no I I didn't expect that but what I will say is that is why this performance is so freaking phenomenal by Chadwick Boseman because Levy by any stretch of the imagination is just an ancient person you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but the way he was able obviously written by the the talented august wilson right he, mm-hmm. he created these characters but the fact that he was able to perform it in a way where you actually was there with him yeah and felt with, sympathy as a, 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 you know you know him being that eight-year-old child even him during that disturbing scene cussing out god you know it seeing that connection to that night where his mom was completely violated and how that night took everything away from him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You feel a compassion for the character and, and with and, everything. And so that ain't shit then turns into quote unquote complicated, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the perfect word. He is, he's quote unquote complicated. Mm-hmm. Woo. Mm-hmm. Not everybody yep. would have been able to do that. And that's why again, this film. He's going to get a posthumous Oscar. I mean, I just, I feel that in my bones. I'm feeling like I'm about to cry right now. And I, and Aww. I, and it's, it's going to be well-deserved, but it's just it's such a complicated, but okay. So there's a couple things I want to mention about August Wilson and his, and his art that I really loved that I learned from the, um, the post uh, video that Ashley mentioned earlier. He, he, took pride in the ordinary so just like fences the his stories are about the the black american experience in our everyday lives Mm -hmm. in a moment like in this in this particular movie in one day what happens and all these dynamic people interacting with one another in literally what two or three uh places <laughs> right 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 um and getting such a rich story out of that that is truly talented and i'm super excited to see um future the future movies coming out i know denzel i think he's an i think he's a wonderful producer I, i've enjoyed the things he's produced so mm-hmm. is there anything else you want to mention about the film i think that it is going to rack up some awards. I think Chatwick is going to get that well-deserved posthumous Oscar. And I hope that this just shows that the stories of Black people in history, in American history, because it's not just Black history, mm-hmm. are worthy and deserving to continue to be told. Well said. Oh, one last thing. Fun fact, the only real person um 
in this story is Ma Rainey. Everyone else is fiction or they're fictional characters. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> Ashley, that is our recap <laughs> this week. Thank Black you so History much, Month. Delora. We actually got some Black History up in here. Oh, honestly, yes. we've been doing pretty good. Well, Sylvie's love didn't represent anybody real, but I mean, two out of three so far is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> And we have to give levity, too, because Black joy and Black love and all those things are just as important to highlight. Exactly. Are you ready to go into our hidden gems? Yes. Please go first, Ashley. All right. So my first hidden gem is Styling Hollywood. I'm a little late to this one because this dropped on Netflix back in 2019. And I binged it that first weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Only only one season still. uh, But Jason Jason Bolden, who's a stylist, and and Adair Curtis, they're um, husband and husband of JSN Studio. This is just um, basically a reality show about their lives. I so enjoyed it. I'm going to have to watch it a second time because really good. Yeah. I just, from all this, uh, obviously all the wonderful celebrity clients, you have Taraji, you have Yara Shahidi, you have uh, Gabrielle Union, you have Ava DuVernay. A- Ava DuVernay. I mean, come through the list went on and on for them. And then you had the, the, uh, so Jason is the stylist side. And then you had Adair who was the home interiors side. It was just so interesting to see because I was not super familiar, especially with a dare before this mm-hmm. enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it a little levity it was a good show hopefully they have a season two my second Their instagram gem, is super cute too by the way yes my second hidden gem on the record this is a little heavier this is hbo max it's a documentary that dropped august 2020 and it actually was not on my radar um it's really detailing the women who have come out with sexual assault allegations against russell simmons Mm -hmm. and i have to be honest russell simmons allegations were ones that i did not follow super close i remember hearing about it more initially so to hear more from these women firsthand accounts and you know especially drew dixon is someone they really really focus heavily on and just to hear those journeys i think some people feel like we're in a post me too era already and that's obviously not the case and i'm glad that these women were able to tear their i just think some people think oh we've moved past that you know i am glad that these women were able to tell this story um i hope that we start to move into an era where victims are more readily and easily believed um but the journey and the uh things that were discussed were eye-opening because they also talked about L.A. Reid. And I was even less Do familiar they? with the allegations you against know, L.A. You know, Oprah Reed. was attached to the project and then dropped out of it uh, I was, last minute. I was not aware of that. But the two directors who did this one, they're about to do one on um, um, Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. <gasps> yeah, that's their next project. So The be- one that's about to come out like this weekend or something? Yes. Allen versus Pharaoh. Yes. Wow. So very curious to see what they do with that one. My last hidden gem is an album that I delightfully discovered this past week. Pink Sweat's Pink Planet dropped uh, February 12th. My favorite tracks are Paradise, track three, Chains, track six, (laughs) Honesty, track 18, and a single with Kalani, which I'm sure people have heard at this point if you're listening to them R&B at my 
worst, which is track 17. Um, so I was not familiar with him either. That's why I was pleasantly surprised with this. What happened was a lot of times if I start playing something on title, because I subscribe to title, they'll just start playing things within you. that genre. Thank you. Cause I don't, <laughs> you know, I'm one of the few who still rocking with title. Um, they play other things and this again, I had heard at my worst, but I was not familiar with his other music. So he's dropped like multiple EPs going back to 2018, I believe three, and then did this album. He's, he's, a you know, he's very R&B soulful, but I, he, I have not heard anything about him. So I just think his album was worth checking out if you get into kind of the R&B soul, neo soul category, because I think his album is pretty dope. So those are my three hidden gems, Delora. Thank you, Ashley. All right. I have three hidden gems this week. My first, The Five Bloods. It's a Spike Lee movie, came out 2020. If you want to see Chadwick in a more endearing light, this is one of, you know, one of his last final projects. Um, The film is a lot. I do not enjoy Vietnam War movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I also do not enjoy a world world two movie war movies either I, I i don't have a problem with war movies if they're fighting with swords and riding on horses it's the, <laughs> it's the you know what i mean uh, anyway but i thought chadwood did an amazing job dill ray is phenomenal in that movie he's actually probably similar to levy in some mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. if if you if you ask me okay uh my second hidden gem is fences fences is the first um of the american century cycle uh to be made into a film produced again by denzel washington also starring him and viola davis viola won her first oscar for this role so hence i said first oscar because I think I think that greasy makeup may do it for her. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And uh, so to give you context to know what exactly we're talking about and to get you familiar with August Wilson's work. And my final hidden gem this week is Betsy. This film was, it came out in 2015 starring Queen Latifah. If you want to see another portrayal of Ma Rainey, this is the film for you. So Ma Rainey in this film is played by Monique. So mm-hmm. she is a little, she's a prettier version of Ma Rainey. <laughs> I would say she didn't come off very greasy or anything like that, but you do get a glimpse into her badass businesswoman ways. Um, that is definitely highlighted in this film. And, you also see her relationship with Bessie, who, again, is um, known as the Empress of the Blues. So Ma Rainey, the mother of the Blues, Empress of the Blues, Betsy. So okay. those are my hinges this week. Nice. Well, thank you so much, girl. And we're going to get out of here, kids. But next week. Disney Plus original Soul coming at you as our, our final first animated. our first animated final recap of of the month for Black History Month, but obviously we'll still be covering many a black film and television yes, show. Yeah. So never fear. But yes, next week, so we will have a special guest. 
our girl Shamika joining us on the pod. So, so looking forward to that. In the meantime, guys, have a great time. Be blessed. Delora, see you, girl. Yeah, Ashley.